Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show, yeah, yeah, this show is here to help you understand that if it... Well, let's just... Uh, hey, guys, thanks for watching. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the half-ass hour of... If- the void. If you've ever questioned whether that was a recording or not, you now know it's not. So <laughs> this show is here to help you understand it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might be wanting to start their company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach. Just as our businesses have grown by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So please do us a favor and share the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch. David. It's turkey season, and I haven't even been out. Uh, everywhere I'm going, they're like... I'm just so disappointed. They're all puffed up. And myself. Peacocking around them. Fucking them I gotta hens. do stupid stuff like work. Be responsible. You want to talk about the one time you and I tried Sucks. to go turkey hunting? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no, I think crimes so. may have been committed. Alleged crimes. Alleged. Have, alleged crime. I had to think about that for a second. I was like, did we go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That was a trip we wanted to forget. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, I still think about it now. Yeah. So that's fun. I mean, it was a good shot. Yeah. Well, damn right it was. <laughs> damn right it was. That- Oh, that poor boil never oh, be the same though. Oh man, oh man. <laughs> I had a uh, Austin was saying something about gas stations before this, so I go to Quick Trip, okay, just to get gas. Like I pull up to the pump, I get out, and all everything's zero, and I'm like, well, that's weird. And I put my card in, nothing happens. I take my card out, well, that's weird. Power outage? No. So I just pick up the pump and hit the deal and start filling up the truck. Start it's rolling. Uh, I'm like, that's fucking weird. Somebody preloaded the wrong so, pump. So I'm fi- I'm sitting there filling it up, filling it up. Well, then, so after I start, it says prepaid 40. And I thought, man, maybe someone uh, just like prepaid gas and for like, so I'm filling it up, filling it up, filling it forward. It gets like 38, <laughs> it gets $38 in it. Okay. And mm. doom, shuts off. And this little, <laughs> this little girl comes on the intercom, sir, uh, somebody prepaid for that gas and they just drove off and then they just called up here. Um, I'm gonna need you to come in and pay for that. And I hit the button and I was like, Well, there's already thirty eight dollars in here. Why why should I? Should I just like could could you stop me? And she's like, Well, no. I was like, Well, I'm an honest person, I'll come in there. So I go in there and yeah. I and I you know, I'm doing the deal and it's somebody else, like the guy comes right. over and I was like, dude, I should have just fucking drove off. He's like, Yeah, you should have. Yeah. He's like, yeah. We're not gonna totally should have. You know, I mean I was like was I obligated? He's like, no. Well, you'll he's get like, it. he's like, there's no law that says you had to stop pumping free gas. Right. It's not like you were stealing. You didn't steal it. It's not like you were stealing the gas. I was <laughs> right. like, well, I was gonna come in. I'm not like a huge ass about it. Right. But I was like, I literally, I hit the button. I'm like, uh, do I have to? <laughs> that yeah, that happens. Like I remember one time, hilarious. I was working as a manager, and this guy came in and convinced one of my employees to start the pump because sometimes people come in they'll have like commercial cards like they have to pump it before they come in and pay for it this guy had come in and somehow convinced her to mainly turn on the pump and i overheard her and i'm like wait what'd you just do so before he got to his pump i like canceled it yeah, yeah people some quit trips they won't even honor that like if you if you come in and you're like yeah i think i'm on pump seven and then someone pumps their gas they're like oh no sorry it was 10 i'm like you actually we're actually supposed to get out like 
write their driver's license down because people go in, they'll do that, and someone else will get gas, and then, you know. Have you seen, it's a short-form video, this guy takes his boat to the gas station, must be a new boat owner, and starts filling it up with fuel, puts $500 of fuel in the boat. In a fountain or something. And then realizes that he wasn't putting it in the fuel tank. He was putting it in a hole where you would like put like a prop rod for the bimini top. Oh my god! And so it filled the entire hull of the boat with fuel. So he had to pull his fucking plug. Pull the and plug. Five hundred dollars in fuel going oh all over the parking god, lot. What a dipshit! <laughs> it says on there gas. Yeah. Like you have to well, open the thing. I'm sure the other one doesn't say no gas bimini top hole. <laughs> like I don't know what it says, but what an idiot! Yeah, I have so many quick trip stories. I, we'd be here for like three hours. No more quick trip yeah. stories. God, people are dumb, dude. Yeah, God, they're dumb. I, I know of some knucklehead who was doing donuts in a miniature plumbing van in a quick trip parking lot this last week. Well, also an idiot. Also an <laughs> yeah. idiot. After Fourth, of, after working Fourth of July, I came in for the over like after the overnight guy, and he's like, "Yeah, we had to call the cops because some guys came up in a truck and set off fireworks right next to the gas pump." <laughs> They were like, hey, let's make an explosion, so, bro. Yeah. Hold my beer. This is going to be epic. Like, you see yeah, some of nothing the, happens. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Here we go. All right. Yeah, we'll be here right, forever, okay. so I just got to stop talking about <laughs> Just eat your food over there. Try not to smack into the mic. There it is. Yep. You Smacker over here. You asked for it. Yeah. All right. You know, yesterday, was that today? It was yesterday. You sent me that thing about Austin's mic wasn't on. Yeah. And I was like, fucking good. Yeah, 80. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, two shows ago? This is going to be show, what, 88? No, no, no. It was 87. <laughs> yeah. Knows? The first five, ironically, Austin's mic started working after he made the joke. The first five minutes of this is yeah. going to be silent. Because <laughs> he fucking looked down after that and was like, oh, oh shit. shit. And my mic's turned not it back on. up. Well, that yeah. was also in the midst of our water. See that smile on his face? He acts like he's so sly. Yeah, well, we know. You yeah. fucked up. That was okay. No, this is where he's going to he's gonna give the excuse. You ready? Go. Yeah, go. That was when we were doing the Water Heat Rocket videos. So you're like, hey, can you do the podcast stuff before you come? And so like, I have to do everything I do in a whole day, like in two hours. See? Boo fucks <laughs> who? Excuse. Welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> All right. Oh. We got three topics today. Okay, what do you want to talk about? Topic one is, uh, let's just call it forced racism. Why are you yelling at me? I don't okay. know. You, you wanted me louder in your headphones. No, I wanted myself louder, not oh. you louder. So topic one, we're going to call it forced racism. Okay. Then topic two is going to be uh, tools for employees. This was actually a listener submission. Brett. Um, Brett. From Brett Johnson. So Brett, if you're listening, listen in a little longer, and we're going to talk about your question. <laughs> Listen um, in a little longer. Yeah. It's like 80s DJ. <laughs> 101 over here. Hey, 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 guys. Casey Kasem. Yeah. Uh, and then topic three is just say yes. Oh, that's weird. I have in my notes, fuck you. Yeah, well, that's... That's what it says. Yeah. Right there. You're a frequent flyer of the F word. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I should probably stop. Forced racism. Uh, yet again, another tragedy, right? So he, this is actually here in Kansas City, so not too far from here. A uh, guy by the name of Ralph Yarl goes to uh, pick up. He's like 16. He's like 16, goes to pick up somebody, yeah. was given an address. The address was wrong. Ends up at the home of Andrew Lester's home. Andrew Lester is 85. And somehow. 84. 80, 84, 85. Something like that. That's not that important. Somehow. He's going to be in jail. It doesn't really matter. Ends up being that Andrew Lester shot Ralph Yarl. Yeah. We don't know how. 
All right, so you've newly started your company and you're trying to pinch pennies. However, you don't realize the biggest thing that's hurting you right now is not gathering all of your information into one spot and making it super efficient for you to use. So the answer is Field Pulse. It gets you off of paper tickets. It gets you off of all of that crazy office work at the end of the day and reconciling all that stuff. And it lets you organize everything with ease. It puts it all into the computer. It actually puts it all into the cloud. So it's not even putting it on your computer. And it lets you organize your customers. It lets you organize all of your service calls. Heck, it'll even route you to your service call. And the best part is, even after all of that, you'll probably realize about a 100% growth in your business just in the first year of using Field Pulse. So if you'd like to check out Field Pulse and see what great looks like, click on the link in the description of this show. We know that he, the kid, he shot him through the door. Shot him through the door. Yep. A 16-year-old kid. Yep. So... I mean, and then opened the door and shot him again. We do know that. Yeah, which is, you can't do that either. Right. Like those. That's why he's been charged, and he's going to go to jail. the The point of this conversation is not, oh my God, should he have been charged? No, he should be charged, and he's going to go to jail. Right. Okay. And then in ten years, he's going to be dead because he's already eighty four. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's going to go to jail. He yeah. committed a crime. That's not the point. The that shit's over. He's going to jail. The issue I take with it. The is. issue is that everything's got to be racist. Right. Like, I don't, what pisses me off the most, and this is nothing against Ralph, is who, I don't know what the number is in Chicago right now of black kids that have been killed by gun violence by other black people, and those kids' lives don't matter. Like, right. we don't hear about them in the news. Right. You know, it's fucking unbelievable. All yeah. of those kids are just as important as this kid. And yeah. and those kids actually got killed. This kid has been lucky as hell and is going to live. These other kids have been killed, and no one says one freaking word about it. Right. Well, like CNN's headline from yesterday, April 17th. White homeowner accused of shooting black teen who went to the wrong house in Kansas City. Yeah. Remove the fucking race from it. Yeah. Homeowner accused of shooting teen who went to the wrong house. It's the same story. But... The news has to inject and force race where race may or may not be involved. We don't know yet. Well, it's because they want they want something to fit their narrative yeah. so that they can drive ratings and sell advertising. Right. Okay, and people are too dumb to... Re- like, so there are all these uh, riots, or they're not riots, they're um, basically looting groups in L.A. right now. And what they will do is go to a street in swarms of 50, 100, 200, Mm -hmm. and they will rob these bodegas and shit blind. Yeah. And the cops, they know that the cops won't uh, They can't stop that many people at once. Well, because the cops came out and said, hey, look, there's that many people. There's nothing we can do. We'll be killed. Yeah. We can't do it. So they know that. But when when something really bad happens in one of those, and it's a black person that does it, they do not. They will not list the suspect as being black. No. They will only list it as being black if it's white on black crime or black on white crime. Right. So that it fits their narrative and that they can get everyone all riled up. And crime is crime. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, what their skin color is. Right. That old man is going to jail. Right. That young man Ralph should not have been shot. Yeah. The. It's that simple. The part that I. The part that I have with it that that upsets me is they're painting this as a racial thing 
when race may have, may have nothing to do with it. Now, it might be racial. We don't know. But here they're painting a narrative before we know any of the facts, right? They're hinging all of this thing on the prosecutor stated, in quotes, I can tell you there was a racial component to this case. Whether there What's is, the context of that sentence? Whether there is a racial motive in the case or not. Not that, motive, component. Racial component. Doesn't matter. Whether there is or isn't, that young man's life is not more important than the hundreds of other right. kids' lives that have been taken by gun violence that we don't hear about. Right. You know what I mean? They're not... They are equal. Right. All of those kids that got killed and no one ever said anything about it... Yep. ...are just as important as that kid. Yeah. So, like, the guy's the guy's 85 years old or 84 years old or whatever. I mean, it's highly possible that... Like, because there's no video of this whole thing, we don't know what words were said before a trigger, before a gun was presented and a trigger was pulled, right? We don't know if this... Now, it sounds like... And again, the media is really good about painting these victims to be saints. And then it comes out that a lot of times they aren't as, you know, saintly as the media paints them out to be. Normally. This kid kid is. Yeah, so... 16. We don't know, right? Applied to Yale, musician. He's a good kid. Yeah, we we don't know. But we also don't know... Like, there's a lot to learn from both sides of this. Now, if it comes out and it's, it's fact that you know, guy opens the door and just starts blasting without asking questions. All right. That guy's got some mental problems, right? Either related to his age or just in general, he's got mental problems. Doesn't matter. He's still going to jail. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Now, there are a lot of times in a whole lot of cases where neither party did enough to de-escalate the situation. And you have one party who ends up being the victim. And Mitch isn't talking about this case. We're no, just talking no, about I'm in talking general. in general. You, you get people that, there's videos all the time of kids getting their ass kicked in fights, and then they try to play the victim because they got beat up. Meanwhile, about 15 seconds before they got their ass kicked, they weren't doing, any, they, they weren't doing themselves any favors to de-escalate the situation. They weren't yeah. trying to remove themselves from the fight. If yeah. anything, they were antagonizing it, and they didn't choose to play the victim card until they lost. Yeah. So... Yeah, Ultimately, that happens. that happens a lot. Did you see that video of that guy, uh, that girl slamming into that guy's white Lamborghini? Yes. Did you ever see that? Yeah, so and then you girl, go see the full picture. Yeah, and he did hit and her. And he did and hit her he and drove ran. off. Yeah. Yeah, and if I was her, I'd have, I'd have done the same T-boned thing. the shit out of that yeah. thing. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, like, we, ultimately, this is my frustration with this whole thing. You have media that's creating headlines. For one, the media creates headlines knowing you're full well never going to read the story. So your, your take from the story is whatever they can write in the headline. For two, they're writing stories about things with very few facts. Very, very few facts. Yeah. The only facts they have to go off of is names, age, and race. And that's it. We don't know anything else. Yeah. And, and it's just so frustrating that... To not get facts anymore in the to, news. Right. They, like, this isn't journalism. This is, this is forced racism. Is yeah. what it is. Well, They're it, literally injecting racism into society because they have an opportunity to do so before they ever even know if it was racially motivated. Yeah. Well, and that's what 
pisses me off the most about it is basically it, this is kind of like what you're saying is we have so they will do that and stir everyone up and they will basically create a mob. Okay. And then what they do is that mob goes around and just not in this case, in other cases, they will just go and protest and yell and scream and burn cities to the fucking ground until the DA charges someone for a crime. Yeah. Okay. Basically you're just allowing the mob to say, no, fuck the law system you do what we want. Right. That is a problem. Oh, yeah. That's a huge problem. Problem two is, and that loser-ass piece of shit Quentin Lucas went on national news today and came out and said basically all of the same stuff. Well, what has he done? He has completely contaminated the jury pool yep. for this. Like, in this situation, I don't think it matters, but in lots of situations that happen in this country... It's a huge problem. They just contaminated the jury pool, everyone, yeah. by giving an opinion, and people will take those opinions because they heard them on the quote-unquote, my fingers are up, people, mm -hmm. news that's not fucking news anymore. Right. It's just shit journalism. And, I, I mean, you, you've basically turned the justice system into a laughingstock that yeah. has to just do what the loudest group of people screaming wants you to do. Right. And right. it's freaking up. Everyone's like, oh, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Well, yeah, you know what? When it happens to you, you'll care. Yeah. When it happens to a member of your family, you'll care. Right. And I'm in this situation, I don't think it's going to matter. That guy shot that kid through the door that was closed, yep. went outside, shot him again. That guy's going to jail. I yeah. don't mean it in this specific situation, but the mm. fact that people keep doing that yeah. is unbelievably stupid. Right, right. And the, like the pressure, too, it puts on... You know, if it's a, ever like a white police on like black crime, it's just like then I guarantee you, you have like white police officers that are going to be really hesitant getting involved in. Crime. Well, they all quit. Oh, yeah. this is going to be like a like, not the good know. ones. The, yeah, not the good ones. The but good the ones understand ones, yeah. that the, the law and they understand you know and they're able to remove their emotion from the the tense environment and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Well, I don't mean like I don't mean that. I mean like if they're just like if if any mistake happens or it's like, this can be spun anyway. I'm like, do I, do I go to this like happenstance where there's like maybe some like black crime involved or I go in, in this circumstance where there's like theft or whatever, where it's like, right. Yeah. Know. They let a lot of things, people will let a lot of things slide. The real problem isn't that the real problem is lots of police just leave. Yeah. Mm. And then, and then these, the poor areas suffer the most because oh, yeah. the cops are like, I'm not working there. Right. It's already shit pay. Yeah. And now I could be prosecuted for something that I did that I had to do that was my job, but because this loud, crazy mob is screaming so loud, yeah. they want a head, it's going to be my head, so fuck this, I'm out of here. And, and if you're not prosecuted, you'll be persecuted publicly. Right. So, by the media. Right. So, yeah. Um, that, it's, all that stuff pisses me off. I've been listening to it all day. I'm, so I've, I've had enough. Usually, I very rarely ever listen to the radio. Um, driving to the gym this morning and, um, I don't know, I don't know why my truck was on the radio, but it was. And, uh, the, you mean your radio was on in the truck? Well, yeah, my truck was on the radio setting instead of like my Bluetooth phone setting. Um, and so, uh, a country song gets over and then here's these radio DJs and these radio DJs are not one. I mean, they're one step removed from horrible journalists and here they are like, 
oh my gosh, we, this tragedy was so close to home. And then, I mean, we're, we're just coming off of the Nashville school shooting in or so Tennessee school shooting or whatever. And, and they're just like, they're trying to just lump everything together. And, oh, yeah. it's just so hard mm. to be an American these days. And, you know, why can't we just love each other? And, all, okay, yeah, got it. Like, bad things happen every day. Every single day, bad shit happens. We don't have to go play this, like, victim card of we are all now victims because mm -hmm. somebody made a bad decision. Yeah, and I think you've said this before, but, you know, this stuff used to go on all the time. And before social media, like in the 70s and 80s, and no one knew. This stuff was still happening all the time and probably worse than it was now. I yeah. talked to a guy. I can't remember his name. He booked bands um, in this one band, and we used to play with them quite a bit. Um, man, I wish I could remember the guy's name. Anyways, he grew up in New York in the 70s. And he was like, there was an article that came out that was talking about how violent it really was and right. like what was happening. And he was like, dude. You you know I lived there and I didn't know this at the time we were just talking about it. He, he's like no it was it was worse than that. He's right. like there would just be dead bodies in the street that no one the cops hadn't even got there yet, like that were days old, like they were just I mean the violence and the rape and the yeah uh, and the murders were just, but we never heard about that right did we uh, like on, maybe on the nightly news with one crusty old white guy or whoever would say like you know whatever but now the social media it's like it's just a frenzy all the time yeah. all the time and it's basically like a death spiral well and and you can you can control the algorithms you can point the algorithms to feed you more of that stuff or you can teach the algorithms that you don't like seeing that stuff right well you say that so like what i've been doing i'm taking a part out of mitch's book i've been so all my groups are off, and then all the ads, I just roll by all of them, no matter if I care or not. Mm -hmm. And then when I get to people that are my actual friends, I will stop, comment, reply. So they're showing me all that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter, because that's all what anyone was fucking putting on there all day, yesterday and today. Yeah. So that's all it was, all day. Just negative, death, yeah. death, 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 BLM, yeah. death. I get, it was like all day. I'm like, God, people. I got I got a Facebook friend. Um, she's an extreme liberal. Um Got her name and, Jennifer Sauer. Uh, <laughs> she, she, like, I I keep her as a Facebook friend because she doesn't go to the hateful side, and she's a really good viewpoint into that view. Because I don't hold that viewpoint, she's a really good viewpoint into that, right? Yeah. So she makes some status yesterday about like she's proclamating that if anybody ever comes to their home, they'll be safe. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case for 99.9% .9 of America. Yeah. Like, w that's that shouldn't be something we have to announce to the world. Yeah. Right? And just because one guy who was mentally deranged, most likely, whether it's dementia or something else. Maybe he was a insanely crazy racist. Yeah, could be. Either, like, like, who he knows? Could be. Yeah. But just because that thing happened doesn't mean we now have to, like, state our stance on that issue. Not, well, not just our opinions on the events, but like our stance on, like, we don't have to go, I don't have to go on my Facebook and say, if your child comes to my house, they'll be safe. You see what they're doing on Facebook now? I mean, they might find a pocket pussy in the creek, like they did a couple of weeks ago, but... <laughs> Stop. You see what they're doing now? Like, they're allowing you to mark yourself safe from, like, shootings that are happening now Oh, yeah, Facebook. that's been going on for a while. I just now saw one the first day, I'm like, mark safe, like, for one thing, those things, they happen like that. It's not like a hurricane where it takes like three days to all come through. Yeah, no, I have a buddy of mine who pokes fun at that. And yeah. like, 
like he lives here in Kansas City. Uh-huh. There'll be a hurricane in Uganda or something. Like I don't even know <laughs> hurricanes can hit Uganda. There'll be a tragedy somewhere else uh-huh. in the world, and he'll mark himself safe from that tragedy. <laughs> like he does it to all tragedy. He, he's awesome. basically poking fun at the system of like, you know, I know there was a tidal wave and yeah, you know. Columbia and uh, I'm safe. Well, and what's bullshit? Like what you're just talking about. Like they want you to believe that any time a black man now walks up to a white person's porch, they're yeah. gonna get shot. Yeah. Like that's their. That's what they think is gonna happen. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's horseshit. We all know that's Absolutely. horseshit. Where I grew up in Argentine, when I would go back home, okay. For those that don't know, Argentine is a rough part of town around here. It's gangster. Yeah. It is gangster. Okay, as a white kid, I would not go down there and go up to people's porches and knock on them. Right. You know what happened? You got your ass beat. Yeah. Like if you walked, if you walked down the street on the fucking sidewalk and there was a bunch of them on a porch, like a group of Mexicans or black guys or whatever, and you looked at them wrong, you got your ass beat. Yeah. I mean, so let's not pretend like this is a new thing. No, it's God. No, like, it's not new. If you're in a dump neighborhood, these things happen. Right. So ironically, and it's, and it's awful. Ironically, awful. today, um, I was buying something for work off of Facebook Marketplace. The lady gives me this address. It's in Kansas City, Kansas, and not the greatest part of town. Okay. So I text Danielle. I give her the address and all this stuff. Tell her where I'm going and what I'm doing. As any good person would do, right? Keep your spouse in the loop as to like if you're going into a bad part of town. And then I get there and I don't even know why GPS routed me to this address because the address doesn't exist. But it sure took me to a house. It's not the address, right? It's some glitch in the matrix. I don't know. So I get there and I'm like, that's not the house number. And the next house number up's actually on the next street. Like something's wrong, right? Well, I get out of my truck, you know white guy in the middle of KCK and I, I just start knocking on doors. Like I got no fear. Right. So that's I, a mistake. I knock on doors and I'm like, Hey, I'm lost. I bought something off of Facebook marketplace and the lady gave me the wrong address. I was going to see if like I could tell you the address and then tell you the lady's name and see if you recognized her as one of your neighbors. Every, I did this to five houses around that area. Every single person that answered their door, there were four people that answered the door super nice, super helpful, walked with me like, well, let me check this house over here. And I don't know this neighbor, her name might be that name and so on. Like not one rough altercation. So ultimately that hatred is mainly only seen on the news. If you actually go out today and you go knock on doors today, you're going to be met with kindness. Yeah, 90% of the time, people are going to help you. And and if they're not kind, they're not going to be hateful, right? They may not be overly eager to help you find an address, right? They may not be overly trusting because you are a stranger that's knocking on their door, but they're not going to be pointing guns in your face and telling you to get off their lawn like Clint Eastwood in whatever movie that is. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, Gran Torino. Um, Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, but... I mean, th- that's the that's the bullshit part about this whole thing is this stuff doesn't happen on a regular basis like the media would like you to think it does. It happens very few and very far between. And so in order for the media to get their wish, they have to extrapolate all of these instances as if it happens way more often than it actually does. 
So they, they, they like to say, oh, it's, these are only the stories we tell you about, right? Yeah, which is bullshit. Shit. They tell you about every fucking one of them. And I don't understand, like, as a human being, why would you want to work at one of those stations and then your main job is to create extra controversy when there already is controversy? Because so many people are easily bought out by money. That's why. Because get another job, because, be a productive member of society. Because you committed to yourself for four to six years of college for journalism, and then you got into it and realized this ain't nearly what I thought it was. I gotta be a piece of shit. And to so make now money here. I gotta make use of my six years of college. I guess this is the gig. That's exactly how that happens. You're probably right. So well, they're all half of them are sleazeball losers, and I hate all of you. Yeah. How about I've, that? I've got a neighbor a couple of doors down that got out of the media for that exact reason. They hated being told what the story was going to be. Yeah, instead of just reading instead the story of just, and letting people form their own opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, You've done piss me off. Move on. Yep. Time, time to lighten up the mood a little bit. And so. <laughs> what? I'm just waiting for us to shut his mic off forever. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. So, time to lighten up I'll, the mood a little bit. I'll add a music. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, boy. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you need that soundboard in your desk. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> so, a long time ago, this is a uh, this is a story from the field. Okay. Brought to you by Field Pulse. Brought to you by Field Pulse. <laughs> so, I show up to a service call for a clogged toilet. And I get there, and the wife is like, she's kind of being a little bit of a bitch. And she's acting like I'm inconveniencing her, even though I'm the one who showed up to solve her problem, right? And so those are my master favorite. master bathroom toilet is clogged. So I go up there and I grab my closet auger <laughs> and I auger it. And I get the toilet working and the auger comes out with a whole bunch of feminine products and condoms wrapped around the end of the auger. But now everything's working, right? And so as a plumber, I'm wearing rubber gloves. I grab all of that stuff in my rubber gloved hand. I'm gagging just thinking. About I it. grab it off the end of the auger and then I flip my glove inside out so it's all contained in yeah. the glove, right? And yeah. then I grab my other glove Same and thing. flip it inside out so it's kind of like double bagged yeah, inside and then you the glove. Then you throw it away. Then you throw it away. It's the cleanest way to do it. So I do all of that and she stops me and, she, and I told her, I'm like, you're, you're good and draining now. And she's like, what was that? What was that? And, and I'm like, well, I mean, it was gross. And she's like, I want to see it. And I'm like, well, it's already in gloves. I'm not going to like open it up. But let's just say you shouldn't be flushing condoms and feminine products down the toilet. And she stops me and she goes, I don't use feminine products and we don't use condoms. And right then I look over her shoulder and her husband is awkwardly backing out of the room. <laughs> she had just gotten home from a business trip. Husband had been home alone, oh, quote unquote, for the week. Man. And yeah. <laughs> So my I'm new into plumbing at this time. So like when was this? new into service. Uh, this uh, would have been like I don't know. Like when you went to LBA, fifteen first? years ago. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, it was when I was working at LBA. And so I go out to the truck. Like I'm new, new into service. Right? I didn't even think I would go out to the truck and I write up the bill, trip charge, and closet auger. And I go back out. You go right in. There, I go back into the house and I'm like, all right, you know, it's gonna be. I don't know. However, whatever we charged it back then, and. He's like sitting there staring at the ground. He ain't looking at stuff. Like she's writing a check. Like she could have wrote that check in stone. Like she it was, went through all checks yeah. into the granite. Like through. Yeah. yeah. Like she was pushing so hard on that pin. <laughs> and and so I leave 
And then my dispatcher at the time, like he was a really cool dude. And so I, I leave and I tell him the story. And he was like, dude, I would have just gotten out of there. And I'm like, well, no, I went back in and collected. He's like, you went back in and collected? I'm like, yeah. You guys would be pissed if I ran a call and didn't collect money. Now you're a legend. Yeah. Mitch got the biggest balls on the team. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just picture, like, they call you to their house. She opens the door and she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she, lots of people are like that. Some of them are like, yeah, like <laughs> she had gotten home from a business trip late the night before. She's trying to get ready for work and the toilet doesn't work. Yeah, and she's mad already. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some some people just don't realize How the aura is. they're putting off, right? Yeah. They don't she doesn't realize she's like I'm here to help you and you're treating me like shit. Yeah. So Karen may, was all over it. Maybe she was already had a hunch that something happened. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So probably. Probably. That is probably true. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! All right, I got I got one story. I've been saving this one Uh-oh. for weeks. Mitch's been talking about this crap. <clears throat> so you remember Travis? Yep, Travis Ball. I don't know if he listens to this show or not. We do a remodel at a house out in Kansas for Scott Alt. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. So Harvey and Scott send us out there <clears throat> to do this. It's a furnace change out in the basement, but we're yanking half their duct down because they're doing some remodeling. We're zoning it. So the basement's pretty much all finished. There's like a little furnace room that's probably like 10 by 12, okay? And there's a bathroom on the other side of it. But like instead of it being finished, they just had like a curtain up, like a black curtain okay. for the fur down. Okay, right. so it's like, you know, it's 18 inches by three feet, and then the duck kind of goes through it. <laughs> Travis goes in there. He's been, I know he's been drinking the night before. And it's shitting his guts out. I mean, you can hear... No sound barrier, no No wall. sound barrier. Yeah. No, and he's talking to me. He's like, oh, man, do you hear that? Oh. <laughs> Customer walks in. No. So he comes back, and uh, Scott Alt had walked in to my room while he's in there. Yeah. And can hear everything going on. <laughs> Travis comes back in there and looks at me with a straight face. He goes, dude, you got to... <laughs> He goes, you got to go in there and blast my shit stains. <laughs> oh, God. Off the toilet. Meanwhile, the builder's standing Doesn't right know there. Scott Alt is standing six feet away uh, around the corner. Dude, you got to blast my shit stains off of there. They're awful. And the whole basement <laughs> smells like shit. Oh, God. And this builder is just standing. He walks around the corner. And I bet Travis laughed for 45 minutes, dude. Oh, He's man. like, why didn't you tell me he was in there? <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. Like, I'm trying to be professional because yeah. Scott's standing there. And I mean, he's just in there. Oh, oh. <laughs> and at those times, it's like you're you're in so deep. They already know you can't stop oh, it, dude. It was over. It was over. Man. Oh, it was hilarious. That's bad. I laughed about that. We still laugh about it. Like I've, I'll bring it up once in a while. That's, dude, you, you gotta blast my shit stains off that toilet. It's off. That's are, bad. Kind of the pranks I pull. It in. was bad, man. And that dude is standing right there, and he just. Travis comes in there. He goes around the corner, starts laughing. Scott just walked out, didn't say anything. <laughs> didn't say anything. He just leaves. <laughs> Those are type of pranks I do at Quit Trip. I go and like me and my friend, we work at Quit Trip. I'd be in there like cleaning, and he'd be there, like using the restroom, and like customers would come in. Like I would go in the stall, so no one knew it was me. I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then like he'd be out there like having to try to like keep a straight face. Oh man, yeah. I laughed. I laughed so hard. And Travis, <laughs> if you know Travis, he didn't care. 
Right. Like uh-huh. he walked in and when he saw, saw Scott, he just starts fucking laughing. <laughs> and Scott leaves and goes, like, Why didn't you tell me he was in here? I was like, dude, I was trying not to lose it. Oh, like man. I'm trying to hold it together, man, <laughs> this whole time. And he's in there. Well, uh, and then uh, if they get you laughing so hard you can't even breathe, dude, you can't even talk to somebody to get him to stop. I don't think I worked for like forty five minutes. I think I just laughed and yeah. oh man, it was Remember Dumb and Dumber? Bad. He like takes a poop in the restroom. It and was the like, same thing. Like, don't don't raise a toilet. <laughs> It's broken. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh crap, yeah. we're screwed. Oh man, yeah, that was funny. Good All times. Right. <laughs> Topic two. That was probably the that, first. That was uh, yeah. stories from the field. Brought to you by Field Pulse, by the way. Oh my god, I got a whole list. Uh, Topic two: <clears throat> tools for employees. So Brett Johnson uh, emailed us in, and I do have to apologize to Brett. Somehow this like skipped my the. I was just like going through emails before I was deleting them. And I found one that I hadn't even read yet. So Brett, sorry for the long delay in the reply on your email, but, um, he was basically asking about how, what are our thoughts for handling tools for employees? Um, he's worked at some very large companies and these companies have like tons of trucks, big companies, and they require the guys to provide their own tools. And one of the things that he's noticed is the customer ends up sacrificing because of it. Because basically, you've got, you've got some guys that are very well tooled out and they have every tool they need. And then you've got other guys that don't have very many tools. Well, if you send a toolless guy to a customer's home and they don't have the tool to fix the job, well, now they have to reschedule it and move it to a different technician that has the right tools and all of this stuff. And so uh, it's inefficient and the customer suffers in the meantime. And so, uh, but in his, in his email, he questions, you know, the flip side of that is like a mega, mega investment from the company in a whole lot of tools. And then when the company buys tools, they all the time getting lost because the guys don't respect them and everything else. So he was asking uh, our opinions on that. So uh, do you want to answer this one first or do you want me to? No, I'll answer it. All right. Um, like the way I'll just tell you how we did it. Like employees had their own hand tools. Okay. Okay. Had to provide their own hand tools. Yep. The trucks had everything else. Okay. But for us, it was different. Like there was in heating and cooling, there aren't not a whole lot of really high priced items. Right. Like a recovery uh, machine, recovery cylinders, um, vacuum pump. Um, and those were company provided? Yeah. Okay. They were on the truck. And then guys literally, it was just hand tools. Hand tools, and lots of guys in HVAC, they had their own refrigerant gauges anyway, because everyone likes their own stuff. Yep. And like temperature probes, everyone likes their own stuff. But if a guy didn't have it, we would provide it for them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it was ours. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was, I mean, that was just small stuff, like fluke digital meters and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. But everything... Other than those, and when I say high-priced items, back then they weren't as high. So like $200 and up, Yeah, that truck was stocked with that stuff. Yeah. And then they were only on the hook for hand tools. I even, I even had, um, so do you remember when Milwaukee came out with like their sets? Yeah. Like a Sawzall set, a mm-hmm. drill. A, well, we just buy one set, and then that set stayed on the truck. Right. You know, so if anything have you broke a drill on a job or whatever, I would just replace that one drill. Yep. Like, that's how we did it. Yeah. Plumbing's different, though. Yeah. I mean, sewer machines are expensive. Yep. Cameras are very expensive. Yeah. You know, so f- for the HVAC guys, it was a little bit different. Yeah. So how we do it in our company, and, and I've done, I've done not, this isn't, like, I didn't reinvent the wheel or anything whenever we did our company. I've done very similar to this for, like, the last 10 or 15 years. Um. 
the plumbing company provides all of the big expensive tools. So your routers, your sewer cameras, uh, your pro press machines, all of that stuff. Company provides that. Uh, employee is held accountable for loss and breakage. Okay. So like sewer machines, you're going to go through cables. That's kind of a thing, right? Yeah. But if you're going through a set of cables a month, we're going to have a conversation, right? Yeah. If you're going through a set of cables a year. Set of cables is expensive. Yeah, they are. They are. But they do wear out. They, they get do. weak. They get flimsy. They snap. And they snap. They right? hit you in the thigh, bruise so, you up. You can't walk for three weeks. Yep. They'll rip your thumb off, too, if you're yeah. not careful. Damn right. Um, so, you know, there there is a, a tolerance there, right? But uh, we do require that the guys provide their own hand tools. Um, and how we handle it to make sure the tools, the guys have the right tools on the job is we make sure that they're providing enough hand tools. Uh, we offer a tool replacement program. In other words, you provided the tool, but if that tool breaks on the job, I will replace it. You turn in the old one. I get the old one and I will give you a new one. That tool is the new one that I give you is your tool. Right, you got to remember, their tool wore out on, like at my company. Yeah. So working I'm, for you, doing working your for jobs. me, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I take the old one. That's the big key. Okay. It's not like a guy can say, "Oh, my drill broke," and I just go buy him a new drill, and his drill didn't actually break, and now he gets to keep the old one and yeah, fix it with some WD forty or a tiny repair part, and now he has two. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I get the old one. That's the, the big key there. But ultimately, doing something like that, it gets your employee to have skin in the game. The tool replacement program does not cover loss of tools because they have to turn in the old one, right? So if they lose tools, they got to buy them on their own. Uh, but because they have to make the initial investment, they take a whole lot better care of them. Yeah. I, so And that's kind of like, so my friend, I, I won't say his name. I don't know if he'd want me to say his name or not. He's an electrician mm-hmm. and a new construction electrician. Mm-hmm. And so the, but the way they do it is, you have to provide all your own tools out of the gate. Yep. Everything. Yep. But they don't have any real high... Like, the most expensive thing they have is probably a 90-angle drill. Yeah. You know, they yep. even had to provide their own wire rack. And then for guys that didn't know, like, they had a printout sheet. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, we recommend you have this stuff. And it's still... After you add that up, it's still... A thousand bucks, probably. Yeah, I think it was like fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks yeah. with the drills and the wire and all that. Mm-hmm. But they did the same thing you did. So if you... If once you had all that, and they they would actually verify that you had all those tools. They mm-hmm. wouldn't just send you out and say, here's a job, go do it. They would verify that you had that and then stocked it on their truck. And they would go through that checklist. <clears throat> and or um, So they would go through that checklist, or you had to provide your own inventory of what you had. Yeah. And if something did break, they did the same thing. You brought it in. They replaced it. It was now yours still, yep. but they did take it back too. Same thing. Yeah. You know, and then like back in the day when like Clark's tool was open, mm-hmm. they'd give you a new one and they'd take that thing up to Clark's and see if they could fix that you 90 angle fixed. drill or whatever. Yeah. And then they'd have that in the shop for the next guy or, you know, or yep. whatever. Yep. So, but that's how they did it. But they didn't have to have those high priced items either. Yeah. So it's a little different. Now for the tradesmen that are listening to this show that haven't yet started their own company and they're still working for somebody else. Uh, have a conversation with your boss and have a conversation with your insurance agent about what happens if your truck gets stolen, right? So like my insurance for our company covers all of my tools. It does not cover my employees' tools. And so, you know, the employees are subject to cover their own tools. 
Um, and a lot of times that you can either add a policy to your homeowner's insurance or your renter's insurance for that. Sometimes it's even covered on your homeowner's insurance or your renter's insurance. It's different for everybody. So it's definitely worth calling your insurance agent and asking, Hey, I've got about $2,000 in tools on my boss's truck. If that truck gets stolen, obviously his insurance covers his tools. What happens with my tools? And is there a way I can protect that investment? And you'd be surprised. Like sometimes it's already protected with your current policies. Other times, for a couple of bucks a month, you can cover, and I, I mean like a couple, like less than ten dollars a month or less than twenty dollars a month, you can cover everything that was in that truck. Let's talk about that for just a second. Yep. So remember when my truck got stolen? Uh-huh. This has only been a year and a half ago. Yep. Um which was wild that they stole that truck because that truck was not not something I would like Ford F one fifty extended cab grandpa white and brown. What year? Because it got stolen in twenty one. What year was your truck? That was an 08. An 08. So now, in, it was nice. Like I kept it nice. It was nice, but, <clears throat> but it's, it's not a, something that no. like I, I can't <clears throat> imagine in twenty one somebody's going, mm, that thirteen year old pickup is yeah. that's my cup so of tea they, right there. So they steal the truck, right? Like this was a learning experience for me. So they steal the truck, weather guard boxes loaded with all of my shit. Yep. All of it. Back seats full. Like it was the middle of summer. I'd been running calls. I mean that there was a ton of shit in there. Mm-hmm. So I call the cops. Cops come out, blah, blah, blah. He's like, hey, was it unlocked? I said, yeah, it was unlocked. My keys were in it. He said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> he said, I see glass right there on the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. It okay. Wasn't. You got a good cop. Oh, yeah. Awesome sh- sheriff. Great guy. <clears throat> uh, back to blue. Anyways, so I call my insurance agent, which was not your dad at the time. Right. <clears throat> American family. And he says, okay, you know, we're going to, obviously we'll cover your truck and everything. And I got good money for the truck. I got money for the toolbox. We're not covering any of your tools. This isn't my agent. This is the adjuster. Mm-hmm. We're not covering any of your tools. I said, what the fuck do you mean? You're not covering any of my tools. We're not covering any of your tools. You have a business. That's not part of it. What? He says, you'll have to file a separate claim with your homeowner's policy so that we'll cover your tools. Mm-hmm. Are you, there's like three grand worth of shit in there, yeah. right? So I have to jump through 85,000 hoops. I had to have provide an invoice of everything in my truck. We're gonna t- I want you to talk about what we went over with your shit the other day um, on your service fusion that has all your truck stock. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you yeah. know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to go out there and guess and then go to my shop and realize, oh, that was on my truck also. It's not here, okay? So do all this. This is a huge pain in the ass. And then... They didn't even want to pay me like they wanted to give me eighty percent or mm-hmm. some crap, and so they let me. Luckily, I overbuilt mm-hmm. what I thought was in my truck so that I actually got paid for it. And then six months later, they raised my policy because my truck got stolen yep. and my tools got stolen. So I should have probably just paid for it. You know, lesson learned, right? Or should have done the smart thing like Mitch is talking about and got that extra insurance policy, yeah. Or used my business insurance policy, but it was too late because I had already called and set up all the shit. And I mean, knowing what you're covered for, what you're not covered for, and knowing the ins and outs of that policy are very important when you're talking about business. And like that was a hard lesson for me to learn, and I learned it 12 years after I started. Yeah. So what, what Dave's talking about with us is, um, so I'm like a numbers geek and I have spreadsheets for everything. 
Well, I have a spreadsheet that documents exactly what and how much inventory we keep on each truck. And every truck is kind of inventoried the same. Now, each truck will, over a long enough timeline, each truck will end up with a slightly different amount of inventory just because errors happen. However, um, I buy the exact same inventory for each truck starting out. Uh, I get new pricing from my vendor every six months. I keep my truck inventory list separate on some spreadsheets that all feed off of each other. So when I get my new pricing from my vendor, it automatically flows over to my truck inventory sheet and all the quantities remain the same and everything else. So every time I get new pricing, I now have a new inventory value on each truck. And so uh, the number is just shy of $15,000 in inventory that we have on each truck. It's like 14900 and something dollars. And, uh, and that's pre-taxed inventory. So I do all of that because if one of my trucks gets stolen, I'm able to go to my insurance and doc, like I have the documentation already and say, not only is it, not only are you buying me a truck, but you're also buying me like, like I have an entire truck build sheet that specs out where I buy the, the shelves and where I buy the bulkhead and how much those cost. Um, it specs out all the inventory cost and everything. So I'm able to, within a matter of seconds of my truck getting stolen, I'm able to hand over my insurance company like a value of what they owe me, right? Yeah. Now, um, we <clears throat> were shopping insurance. We, we shop insurance every year. Uh, my dad is my insurance agent, and I still shop his ass every year, okay? I love my dad. However, yeah, business is raised, business. Yeah, he just raised my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, damn it, dude. Um. And so we're shopping insurance, and one of the new people we were shopping with brought up a really good point. Uh, they said, your current policy covers you for $10,000 in tool loss. And I'm like, what? Because yeah, like a sewer machine, like I have more than $10,000 in sewer machines on each truck. And so if I, if I lose a truck, I'm tapped out before even sewer machines get paid for. Yeah. Right? So... <clears throat> Uh, there's a thing you can do with your insurance, and it's called scheduling your equipment, scheduling your tools, scheduling everything else. So you talk with your insurance agent, and basically, so what we did was I went to my dad, but I also went to these other companies that we're shopping with, and I showed him my truck build sheet before an incident happened. And I'm like, truck cost me 70 grand. Stickers cost me, you know, a thousand bucks. Shelving and bulkheads cost me $2,500. Camera and locator cost me nine grand. Sewer machines cost me 12 grand. You know, by the, by the time you buy all this stuff. And so then they're able to actually tailor a policy for me. And so ultimately your policy doesn't change, but now you can start scheduling inventory and scheduling equipment. So like inventory was capped at 10 grand. Well, that lot of good that's going to do me when I have 15 grand in inventory on the truck. Yeah. So now they're able to either adjust the inventory amount or I'm allowed to schedule the inventory, meaning, okay, they're going to cover up to $10,000 in inventory unless it's scheduled. Well, I can tell them exactly what's on the truck. Yeah. All to the to the fitting, right? Yeah. So So if it's stripped when you get it back. Yeah. So now what that does is it creates ultra transparency between you and your insurance company. So now they know exactly what's on your truck before anything ever happens. And your, your premiums go up when you start scheduling equipment because they're insuring the thing for more now than what they were before. 
Before, yeah. they were insuring a 2020 Transit with $10,000 in tools and inventory. Yeah. Now, they're insuring a 2020 Transit with $2,500 in shelving and bulkheads, $1,000 in stickers, $15,000 in inventory, $20,000 in tools, you know, all of this stuff. So, yes, your premiums go up slightly. However, if that bitch gets stolen, I get paid everything. Yeah. Everything. And that's a place where you can also shave money. So if you have 20 trucks and you want to dictate, you know, where that's at, hey, my chances of all of them getting stolen or not, that's not going to happen. Right. One, you can decide what your premium is and what's going to be covered. Like, it allows you to have a more realistic expectation of, of what could happen. I mean, I know guys that, um, this is a little crazy, but they will self-insure. And by self-insure, I mean they will do like Mitch does. And then, so for every truck, they'll say, okay, if it gets stolen and I get the truck back, it's probably going to cost me 25 grand. They'll take 20 grand or 25 grand and set it aside Yeah, for every truck. And now, as you'd have to ask your accountant. So as an LLC, when you set that money aside, you're going to pay taxes on that money. And even if you just leave it there, but then that's your money to do what you want later. As as a corporation, I think there are are areas where you can hold over money. Right. That that isn't they're not going to tax you on that. So just depending on you know I I'm not going to say you, people should do that or not because I mean well, I wouldn't do that. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of jack, and I'm I'm not at that level. I don't know anyone at that level. Ultimately, um, if you if you aren't scheduling your equipment and you're carrying more on your truck than what your insurance policy covers, you're self-insuring it anyway, whether you just might not have the money to cover it. <laughs> yeah, right? but they but they want to have that money set aside that says, hey. Yeah. And as a corporation, that helps them. Yeah. Because they're not, as far as, I don't want to get into the weeds on tax implications and all that, but you know that helps them avoid some taxes while retaining that money for actual future use if something does happen. Right, right. So... Yeah, you're, you you can get into some tax shelter issues, or not issues, some tax shelter benefits. Um, again, talk to your financial people about this. But let's say you have $20,000 in profit this year, and you want to take that 20000 and set it aside for asset protection like yeah. that. If your accountant structures it correctly, then you, you might be able to do that, and then you don't have to pay tax on that twenty grand. So, again, that's all stuff that you'd have to talk to your accountant about. Yeah, do not take our advice on that. Well, without talking. take our advice to talk to your accountant, but yes. that's it. Yes, Ta- talk yeah. to your accountant. Don't say, well, Dave told me, yeah. set money aside, and then they charged me $3,000 in tech. No, but talk if you're to your gonna, accountant. If you're going to blame anybody, blame Dave. Blame me. <laughs> blame Austin. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, <clears throat> last topic, final topic. Hey, if you like what you're hearing on The Void and you want even more info, we just started a mentorship program specifically for trades professionals to start their business or to get their business to an incredibly healthy position. So if you'd like more info, click on the link in the description of this show. Just say yes. So That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, babe. Just say yes. Yeah. So where this stems from is uh, is from my own experiences. Um. There are a lot of people that operate from a negative mindset. And because of that negative mindset, they kind of assume everyone's out to fuck them. And so that leads them to saying no a hell of a lot more than they should, right? And yes, there are some signs and there are some intuitions where you should obviously say no. But 
if it's a new venture or a new opportunity where you don't really know how it's going to turn out, there is no harm in saying yes until you learn for yourself, is this a good opportunity or is it not? Um, In the last year and a half, I have opened up a ton of doors for myself personally and for our business simply because I said yes. Um, I am having conversations right now with some really cool opportunities simply because I didn't tell them no right away. I listened to what they had to say. I entertained a couple of meetings with them. Yes, it's cost me a little bit of my time. However, now all of a sudden, these opportunities are transpiring into something that could be really, really cool. And it's all because I extended a little faith from the beginning. And I said, sure, I'll have a meeting. Sure, I'll talk to you about that. And I didn't promise them anything. I didn't make any commitments other than committing my time to stuff, right? There, I see this a lot where, uh, and you'll see this a ton on Facebook groups, guys will say, hey, I was presented with this opportunity. What should I do? And you'll see a couple of people that are like, yeah, go for it or whatever. And um, it seems like a majority of the people are like, are they paying you? What's the what's in it for you? Fuck them if they're not paying you. And they just operate from this position that like everybody's trying to screw them over. And because of that, they're missing out on tons and tons of opportunities. And so um, there is a whole lot of good that can come from just saying yes until you learn for yourself. Because here's what happened. Like for me, my fear, if I say no to an opportunity, then I'm always going to wonder what could have come from that opportunity if I said yes. So like literally this morning, I woke up to two emails in my inbox. They came in overnight of two people that are wanting us to do brand deals with our YouTube channel. Two new people. I'm already having some other conversations with other people about brand deals on the YouTube channel. These are two new opportunities, right? Not the void. Not the void. No, this is our plumbing YouTube channel. But one of the opportunities doesn't sound like it would benefit us. It doesn't like they sell work shoes, but their work shoes aren't mainstream at all. They don't even look like they're tradesmen based. They're just from China and they're like, these are work shoes. They kind of look like shoes that somebody in a hospital would wear. That's weird. Yeah. Like like I'm having a, I'm having a hard time like making the connection to how it would like like so when I make these decisions to just say yes it comes from a value position. It comes from a position of can I where can I see the value of them like providing value to me and where can I see the value of me providing value to them? And I just have a hard time understanding why like a plumbing based YouTube channel would benefit somebody who sells shoes that Unless, unless I just haven't seen their full lineup, maybe they have trades-based shoes. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll have to check and see. So um, now the other one is actually a plumbing tool, and they're wanting us to like they're wanting to give us the tool and give us a little bit of money, and we can do a YouTube video on how well this tool works. Nice. Like that that actually correlates and makes sense. Yeah, that right? makes sense. Yeah. So um, now. I'll probably say yes to the plumbing tool one, right? Now, does it fit the lines of our channel? I don't know. Does it fit the lines of what we want to do with our channel? I don't know. But here's the benefit that comes from it long term. 
we're new into this YouTube thing. We're new into brand deals, right? If I say no, I gain zero experience with brand deals. I gain zero experience with negotiations. I gain zero experience with contracts. I literally lose every opportunity, right? If I say yes, I have nothing to lose and I can only gain. I'll gain experience with how brand deals are structured. I'll gain experience with how to negotiate contracts with brand deals. I'll gain experience with does doing tool reviews on our YouTube channel actually help our channel or not, right? Because that's one of the things you have to consider is, is it going to help your channel or hurt your channel? So I wouldn't do something that would hurt our channel, but a tool, a plumbing tool, especially on a plumbing channel, like that kind of makes sense. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, they just want the exposure and they're not going to, they're going to underpay you and they're going to sell thousands of those tools from your video and all this. And, and okay, maybe, right? That's the value for them. But if they sell a thousand or 15,000 or 25,000 and then that brand is that much bigger and then someone's on YouTube like, I wonder what the hell that is. And they Google it. Oh, well, guess what? Now I show up. Now you show up. And also, too, how, like brand deals are part of my ultimate future with the YouTube channel. Right, I'd love to get a brand deal with Rigid. I'd love to get a brand deal with Spartan. I'd love to get a brand deal with Ford. Right, because we drive all Fords. So, like, how am I going to learn how to navigate those big brand deals if I don't fuck up a few small ones on along the way? Because that's how we learn. We learn by fucking up. Right. So <laughs> that's not one hundred percent true. But yes, you learn every time you fuck up. Right. <laughs> so, like, I don't want to fuck up the big brand deal opportunity. So, like, let me get a couple of small ones under my belt, and if I screw up, great, and if I do things right, then great. But ultimately, the ability to just say yes opens so many doors. Um, Last week, well, it happened last week. It actually started about a month ago. Somebody asked me to speak at their local event about how I used social media to grow our company to, to be what it is. Uh, and, and for those that don't know, we grew our company to a million dollars a year in revenue with zero advertising. We did not bring on advertising until after we were doing a million dollars a year in revenue. Did you just send them all our Facebook vi- podcasts and say, right. play, play these, play these, right? <laughs> play these. And so I'm like, I don't know if I have the time to speak in it, Like, and it's not just the time to go speak. Like if you're going to speak, you got to prepare, you got to write, you got to rehearse. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just get up there and wing it. And so yeah. it's it's not necessarily committing to the, you know, three hours that it takes to drive out there, speak and drive home. You're committing to all the preparation is what you're doing. And so I'm like, I don't know if I have the time, but I'm going to say yes, because with everything we got going on in trade wins, I'm going to have to be speaking a lot more. And with with everything that we have, you know, coming up in the future, this speaking gig is going to be good practice. So I said yes. And it was fucking awesome. Like I added tons of value to all the people in that room. And uh, I gained tons of experience that I'm going to be able to use in the future. Yeah. So the, the only problem... And was, the speaking gig was free. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get paid shit for it. The only problem with saying yes all the time... Like, I'm bad about saying yes all the time. Like, I just... Like, you don't or you do? I say yes too much. Okay. Like, Mitch only knows, like... He thinks I say no all the time because I question everything he does. I but, say no. I say I probably say no a lot more. But I, me. I have to question everything Mitch does because he's insane. Um, but like I say yes too much, and then I get overextended. Yeah. Like I get to the point where I'm doing so much at any given time 
I mean, and I say yes to myself a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, I can, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this. And then Thursday rolls around, and I feel like I've been punched in the face 57 times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be conscious of what's going on, how much time is it going to take, and have to be able to dictate, hey, can I even physically like make this happen. Yeah. Like that's my problem. Yep. Like, and I've told Mitch knows I've come in here before or been talking to him been like, dude, I am fucking, I can't like, mm. I can barely even focus. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm so tired. Yeah. You know, um, like that's one problem. Like you have to really try not to push yourself so far that the things you are doing lack quality. Yeah. Because you've you've literally just run yourself to death. Like I know Mitch does that too. Like last week. Yes. Like Mitch did that last week. I'm gonna talk about that. So you have to be you have to be really careful about it. Um I will say, like, I don't know if I agree hundred percent with say yes until you learn that it's screwing you. You can say yes <laughs> or you can think you can say no before I, I'm I don't not saying say this. I'm not saying get screwed no, before you learn. No, but there are ways to learn about a specific situation before you do just say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so I'm not gonna say what we were talking about before the show, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what we were talking about, like Mitch automatically thought I was being super negative. Uh-huh. But what I want to do is have all the information mm-hmm. and everything gathered and make sure we stand at the right place before we say yes to those things. Yep. And that's what I mean about overextending also. You have to make sure that everything's going to be in place for you to say yes to a situation. Yeah. And so one of the th- if you're going to operate under the say yes mentality, you have to be a good communicator. And that's not only externally but internally as well. You have to be able to communicate to yourself with what you can and can't handle and what you can and can't tolerate. So this kind of has to go with like your internal values, right? Yeah. But you also, like, let's say you say yes, and now you've learned firsthand this isn't for you. For one, like you, you recognize that by being able to communicate to yourself. But then you also have to communicate your exit of that thing to the people that you said yes to. Or, or internally, the exit strategy. Like, okay, if this yeah. doesn't work out... I have to be able to back out of this. Am I going to be able to back out of this? Right. Or how would I handle that situation? That is prep. Yeah. We drill prep, especially in the first 30 episodes of this show. Mm-hmm. Prep, 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 prep before you get your business off the ground. Yep. This is the same thing. Yeah. You have to be prepared to handle it all. Yeah. So uh, Dave was referencing my last week. Last week for me was literally the busiest week I have personally had in business, and I didn't turn a wrench all week. Um, and like our team did fucking amazing last week, but I, I've grown our business to a point where now my value is not turning wrenches. My value is making sure we have calls for the guys to turn wrenches. Right. Um, and also thinking about the future. It's not just keeping our head above water and treading water. Now it's putting us in positions to where not only will we win this year, but we'll win next year. And so I, we, we've talked about it before in the show. There's no such thing as work-life balance. Um, there is no way to plan a balance between your work life and your personal life or your home life. What happens is some weeks demand your attention at work and some weeks don't demand your attention at work. And that is your opportunity to like, to give back to your home life that maybe 
sacrificed a little bit in the weeks prior. Well, and you mean there? there's no work-life balance on a day-to-day basis. Correct. That's and people think, when they think of work-life balance, they think of every day. Every day I need to be able to have time for me to do this. Yeah. And every day, no, when you own your own business, if you're a heating cooling contractor in the summer, you're fucked. That's it. Just yeah. deal with it. In the winter, when you're slow, take your vacations. Yeah. Go snowboarding. Do what you want to do. You know, that's the work-life balance. You're, you are trying to get to, and this is, Hypothetical, you're trying to get to a 50 50, right? But those 50 50s are not during, are not every day as as an average. It's a yearly average or a monthly or a weekly. Right. That's just, it's kind of like a school teacher, right? They're putting in crazy hours during the school year, but then they get summers off. Right, and so that's their ba- their balance is an annual cycle, not a daily cycle. Like for for me, it's like you kind of have to be smart with it. You can't say, "I want I want work life balance," but you just take things as they come. Like for me, is like if I'm like, "Man, I want to I want to be able to have a lot of time to me and my family." I'm like, "Okay, maybe maybe I stay up until midnight and work work extra." So and then that you the buy ne- yourself a couple of person yeah. hours tomorrow. So that's what yeah. I kind of do around it, where it's just like you kind of have to be. You can have more of a quote unquote work life balance. But you got to be smart. You can't say like, "Oh, I'll just let whatever comes at me, yeah. and then I'll have balance." Yeah, it's not. A, yeah, it's now, not your job. It's not your employer's job to make sure you have great work life balance. Like that's right. the whole trigger mm. thing right now. Yeah, is oh, I want a job where I can my employer's life balance. Yeah, mm. that's not his job. No, that's your job. And if you don't like it, start your own company, do your own mm. shit, and quit whining about yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to, if you want worse work life balance, start your own company. <laughs> but like, yeah, like Austin's yeah, right, <laughs> like yeah. Austin's schedule. Thankfully, he doesn't like his customer is me and his customer is the plumbing company mm. right and then he does some side work too yeah but his so he doesn't really have to work around his customers daily schedule now he still has deadlines mm-hmm. but he doesn't necessarily it's not like he's promised a customer he's going to be at their house between noon and two today mm. right yeah he has he has a pile of work to do and he has time to get it done and so if austin wanted to go pull a 48 hour non-stop shift and then take 24 hours off mm. like he totally could do that well, like at this point too, it's like it's all about like flexibility. This I more, said that backwards. A twenty-four hour yeah. shift and forty-eight off. You know what's well, fucked up is I like in my brain heard it and I was like, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, all, I'm always kind of like maneuvering things in my head. Like this morning, I woke up and then it was like eight thirty. I, I turned to my wife. I woke her up. We both walked in the living room and Did she he looked say over eight thirty. Yeah. Well, his, Tuesdays are his late day. Yeah. Because we podcast Tuesday nights. And I stay up late on Tuesday working on stuff anyways. Well, when I do stuff that I love, like I end up working on it without even realizing it. No judgment, but I bet I haven't slept till 8.30 in fucking 20 years. Okay, so here's my story. So we walk in, we look over, and literally dog crap and throw up is just like pouring out of his crate, and our dog is laying in it, and we're just like, so that's automatically like two hours where it's like, okay, I'm like shifting around. I'm like, okay. Well, to get this done, my wife usually takes a nap. I'm like, okay, so whenever she's down for it does a take nap, two hours to bury a dog. <laughs> first off, first off, the dog's in a crate. You take the crate outside with the dog in the crate. Mm. You hose out the crate and the dog at the same time. Mm. Takes ten minutes. You've mm. moved on with your life. I think people they, they <laughs> people misconstrue like stuff. Sometimes they're just like their boss will ask them to do stuff. Like Mitch asked me to do stuff, and I'm like, okay, that's a like if it's Monday, and if it's not like he needs it right now, I'm like okay, well this was like a. I can slot this in Wednesday afternoon because the morning I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make for sure to have it done. Right. Like I'm like just kind of task oriented. Well, you've recognized that you're in control of your own work-life balance, Mm -hmm. right? So um, now in the service world, it's a little bit different because you have customers at play. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, last week we 
we've recently been interviewed by the New York Times. And the New York Times... Fuck the New York Times. <laughs> liberal garbage rag. They, uh, uh, they sent a videographer or a photographer out last week because they wanted photographs of our company and, and stuff like that. Um, I didn't plan on that. Like, literally Wednesday morning, I had no clue that Thursday we were going to be photographed by the New York Times, right? Mm -hmm. um, we recently, over the last couple of weeks, um, I've been trying for this for two and a half years. I've been searching for this. I wanted a tiny miniature uh, van, plumbing van. I thought that was the week before. It, yes, that was. Okay. So I, for, for two and a half years, I've been searching for this, and I finally found it two weeks ago, uh, two Sundays ago. Um, it's a fiberglass shell of a miniature van that I could make it look like a miniature plumbing van. And um, so I dropped what I was like these. I've been looking for them for two and a half years. These things don't come by like they're hard to find. And this one was only 200 miles away, like 225 miles away or something like that. So every other time I found one of these, they're thousands of miles away and they want thousands of dollars for them because they were only made in 1978. And, um, so I drop what I'm doing and I drive out there on a Monday and I go buy this thing, right? And then I drilled a hole in the side of it in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then Dave ruined it. So, so then, like, none of this, like, two and a half weeks ago, I didn't even know this project was going to be on my plate. And then now, here this project is on my plate and we've got a lot of other things going on in the company. And I just chalk it up to, this is time to invest in work, right? Knowing that once Saturday hit, all of these projects were going to be done, and I was probably going to have a little bit of a lighter week this week because I was working nights, weekends, days, everything for the last couple of weeks. This week is proving to be a little bit lighter, which is good. Like, that is the balance. That is the, yeah. the balance of things. But my ability to say yes to all of these things, uh, saying yes to, to getting that miniature plumbing van, right? That's going to be an amazing promotional tool for our company. Um, you Like... If you want your brand to create a core memory in its customers' minds and its mm -hmm. customers' children's minds, go make a miniature plumbing van. <laughs> make it just like your van and go drive it in parades. There's people I didn't even catch, like one I was filming that I saw them taking pictures, like at Raising Canes. Yeah. I just now realized there was actually a guy in the parking lot taking a picture there, so of you. <laughs> Austin and I were filming like reactions of people. I, I drove this thing all over the city on Thursday and... Austin and I were filming all these reactions of people. Austin probably only got 10% of the reactions mm. that people had to this thing because the camera can only point in one location. Yeah. And like, I keep my <laughs> head on a swivel. And, and it turns out it's really awkward pointing camera at random strangers. Yeah. Like, that's something that I realized really quickly. And I'm like, not for me. I am not yeah, comfortable with me no bit. But, no, I don't give a shit. But ultimately, <laughs> like, my ability to say yes to that project, my ability to say yes to the yeah. New York Times, my ability to say yes to this speaking engagement, my ability to say yes to uh, a whole bunch of other things that we were doing in the company, the company will benefit greatly from these. And it, it gets busy at times, but now... All of like the main bulk of all of that work is now over. Now we just have to implement it. And now we get to start reaping the rewards of it. My team is better because of it. The company is better because of it. Yeah. The customers are better because of it. And now like if all of that works, then I'm better because of it. Right. Yeah. So, um, and it doesn't have to be big stuff. Like it doesn't, no, you don't have to, it can be saying yes to little things that you need to be doing. Like, yeah. Just small example. So Sunday, um, did you watch my Monday Motivational for Trade Wins? Not yet. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Anyways, I worked. So I worked Sunday 
like all on bookkeeping and just the website with Joe and all kinds of stuff on Sunday for trade wins. And I had some other things to do. So I worked, I don't know, three or four hours on Sunday, which I like never do. And I was wore out. Like I was wore out last week. Right. And I'm literally, I'm typing all this stuff up. I'm trying to get it all done. And Mitch texts me, Hey, are you going to do the Monday motivational? And in all honesty, like I, my plan was to do it. I got my camera all set up, got it all done. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, literally right before he texts me, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to call Mitch and make him do it because I am, I am just right. I don't have it. Well, so he texts me, hey, you going to do it? What I what I say? Yeah, yeah, sure, got it. Yeah. And literally, I'm sitting there thinking, and when you watch it, you'll like I look like shit. Yeah. I, I'm in my office. I'm exhausted. Like so, five minutes after you sent me that, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to do. I, I had, need to do it right now. I got a good one for right now, so I did it, and it's. I mean, it, it's really good, but it's. The ability to just say, yeah, okay, I can do it, and then do it, is a rewarding process even when you're doing just small little things right. like that. Right. Like when you're at home and you're doing your bookkeeping on Wednesday night and it's 8 o'clock and you go put your kid to bed and you're like, man, it's 8.30, I'm tired, I'm wore out. You know what? I'm going to go down there and finish that bookkeeping so that tomorrow I don't have all that on my plate. Right. Like so you go down you go back downstairs and you do the the paperwork bullshit that you don't want to do. But then the next day you get up and it's extremely rewarding that you just got it done and it's not on your plate anymore. Right. I you like, know, that's kinda like what you were talking about. You were like, Okay, so I know Saturday. I know Saturday I'm gonna get a break. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna tough it out. Right. Same thing. I mean those little things that you do are really little things that you do for yourself yeah. to make your personal life a lot easier and your business life, really. Well, and so like this weekend was fucking weird uh, because I was literally balls to the wall up through Friday afternoon up until I was done with the speaking engagement on Friday. And uh, I was still like reeling from the high of how busy the week was and like we got all of it done and like everything got done. Like... So this miniature plumbing mm-hmm. van thing was supposed to take a couple of months, and we ended up building it in nine days. <laughs> and you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Dave's filming amazing it. welding skills <laughs> and all of not, that shit. They right? were not amazing. We and, had a good time. Though. And, and even we the have filming, like a, yeah. the filming of it and everything was supposed to be like a couple of months long, and we got it all Austin done in nine days. It out. I was like editing so, as we go. <laughs> and and then when I got so like Wednesday morning, uh, I got notified late Wednesday morning that the New York Times wanted to take their video or their photographs of us on Thursday. And I'm like, fuck, like I got a brand new truck in the fleet that has no stickers on it. And I've got this awesome completed miniature plumbing van that is painted white and doesn't have stickers on it yet. And I already had the order in with the vinyl graphics company. So I call them up on Wednesday at like 10, 10 in the morning. And I'm like, Hey, I haven't even seen a proof of these things yet. And I'm not asking to be put in the front of the line, but I explained to my whole situation and we're getting ready to be interviewed by the New York Times and they want to take photos. Is what is it even possible for me to have those stickers by this evening and I'll put them on tonight? Like, I'm not even asking you guys to put them on. They made it happen. Nice. And they got me, like, we're, we're doing a big wrap on our new truck, but they were able to get me some temporary logo stickers for the truck so it was at least photo worthy. For yeah. the photo shoot, so like, like even in the fi- in the final hours, piling more stuff on just to make it happen. Because how many times do you have an opportunity to get, you know, a story written about you by in the New York Times? Like, that's something that rarely ever happens to anybody. 
Maybe we'll be on the cover someday. Maybe. Oh. Revitalizing right. the trades. Forbes. Yeah. I'm going for Forbes next. Also, well, like, you got Nez- Forbes is like a st- is like the next step up. It's well, like times Forbes. Times four. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll go there. We'll go there. Yeah. So next time we're in the New York Times, it's going to be for trade ones. It's not going to be for the plumbing company. I'm hoping so. Also, so. like, I'll add a bit there, too. Like, if, you're, if you feel like you're struggling making ends meet by saying... Yes, and just growing in general, like I would like take a look at your processes because there's a lot of processes where like, oh, it takes this time, but you look at it and you're like, well, actually, I could. Here's a way where I can cut that in half. Right. Like Dave was talking about, like you know, it's like with this podcast. I'm like, if I just plug it in and start uploading, then not like tonight, I don't have to wait for it to upload. You know. Yeah, to, it's working while you sleep. Yeah, so I'm just like, I would check the processes too. Is like, yeah, you, you can so convince yourself that like this is the quickest it can be done. It can't be done any quicker. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we shoot ourselves in the foot like that all the time as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, people don't even realize it. Yeah, they don't really. You know what's really weird is most people don't realize it till they're older. Right, and mm-hmm. it's like, man, if you had realized that when you were younger, right? You know, well, one of the like one of the smartest things I've done in our company is hiring a virtual assistant, uh, which I don't understand why they're virtual because they're real people. They're just in the Philippines, but like I've hired a virtual assistant and I meet with her one hour a day. And I give her eight hours worth of work to do in that one hour. And she goes off and does that work while I'm doing other work. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like me doubling my man. Like my my ability to do office work is now doubled because I can do my shit and she can do all of the other shit that was like taking up my time. Well, let's be honest about your office work and her office work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you, like shit that takes you 16 hours, she's doing it too. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, mm. this morning, she fucking blew my mind. I, We uh, we just recently added about 1,800 lines to our parts book, 1,800 items to our parts book, and um, we needed to make a small modification to all 1,800 of them. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is going to be a lot of work, but we have to do it if we're going to roll this thing out on Wednesday. And she's like... It's simple. It's a simple function. And she shows me this function that I didn't even know existed in Excel. And she had it done in three seconds. And I was thinking I was going to have to go line. Like, I was thinking she was going to have to go line by line and make these corrections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She literally did it in three seconds. She literally was like, hey, dipshit. Yeah. (laughs) This is how it's done. And and I'm not. You American asshole. (laughs) I'm not like, I'm not an Excel expert, Mm -hmm. but I'm not an idiot either. Like, I know my way around Excel fairly well. I'm not great. I'm okay. She. Like she knows it like the back of her hand, like and, she wrote the program. Probably. And regardless of which, she saved my ass eight hours of work because it would have taken me eight hours to go line by line and fix it. I don't care if she did it in three seconds or thirty no. minutes or three hours or eight hours. No, in your brain, she saved in my you brain, two days. She saved me eight hours of work. Yeah, and like Done. things are all like I always like to stay up to date and like constantly learning because especially with like the camera world, things are always evolving and adapting. Like for instance, the editor I use now can generate captions for you. So it's like that automatically eliminates, but I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't kind of had my eye out for it. And also too, there's a new feature where you can like search for words in your edit to where you don't have to watch 20 minutes of video to be like, Oh, did Mitch say that I can turn transcribe it automatically. Right. And be like type in keywords, water heater, and I can see it everywhere. So it's like, if I hadn't been like learning and kind of saying on top of like what's new. Yeah. Yeah, we get more efficient as we go for sure. That's five minutes late too. Yeah, we're way way beyond time. So, yeah. oh, wow. uh, <laughs> guys, we're gonna cut this show off. Uh, this stories from the field thing is something we're gonna keep doing. So, if you guys have some funny stories from the field, uh, email them to askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. 
Um, we know we have some funny ones. We want to hear your funny stories as well. They can be funny. They can be lewd. They can be crude. We don't care. It's a podcast. We can say whatever the fuck we want on this show. So if it's you being propositioned in some way or another, like we still want to hear about it. And if you want to remain discreet about it and you don't want us to mention your name, that's, that's probably a story we really want to hear. So email those to askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. And uh, we would love to help share some of your stories from the field. So until next time, guys, we will see you later. We're out.